welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the USL show. Um, it's that time of year where we get to cause all sorts of havoc on the soccer Twitter sphere um, because um, your team's crest is bad. Um, everybody's is, especially yours. And uh, what else is there? I think MLS teams are doing tier list. We're not saying it's us that caused them to do tier list, but we're not saying it's not us. So I don't know. I don't know what's up with that. Uh, only a two person show tonight. Uh, we have Alan doing an interview with Nate Miller, whatever. He's big time in us for whatever reasons. Ridiculous. Um, you know, Phil's on daddy duty. Uh, I think Tower as well. Ryan has a job interview. Gio just smashed some team at adult league soccer. And I'm sure he's resting up and also on daddy duty. Um, is that everybody? I think that's everybody. Um, but we got John. John, how you doing, man? Yeah, doing well. Clearly enough free time to talk about lower league soccer on the podcast live while everyone else is doing life things. <laughs> like being real humans and, you know, successful parts of society. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't even understand that. <laughs> no, I mean, what else would I rather be doing besides scrolling through 50-something quote tweets of tier list and seeing – I mean – what was wild is I think this year had less traction than last year, um, which is insane to think about. It seems like you were a warrior going through every response to that. It seemed like it was great engagement. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, hey, now that uh, Sir Elon has let us see every the views, everybody can see how well it did, I guess. I don't know. But listen, that's really not what we're here to talk about today, um, believe it or not. Um you know, I don't think most people are that interested in our Twitter engagements, but if you are, hit us up, I guess. Um, we got some big news uh, coming out of the USL. Um, lots of players being sold on to MLS. Um, you know, some big names along the way. We have coaches being signed. We have some big mysteries along the way. We have coaches being transferred um, and other ridiculous things along the way but the one that i want to start off with first because it's the one that uh i think is the most interesting um partially because i the person plays for my team now but right now uh the uslpa has gone to court over essentially contract grievances now i will say i have spent time reading the cba today by the way it's 136 or 35 pages long. Um, if you want to try to go in there and understand it, good luck. I'm an idiot, so I don't really understood what understand what I was reading, but I kind of get the gist. But the, the long and short of it is, and I did have a, a conversation today on the phone with a USLPA representative who kind of walked me through what was going on. Now, not everything I can share, obviously. Um but the things that I can share, the player in question um, with the one that was reported is Enzo Martinez, who by all accounts is like the biggest legend of Charlotte Independence. You can say Dan Kelly as well, but I think a lot of Charlotte Independent fans will say it's Enzo Martinez. Um, if you played against him, you hate him. If he's on your team, you adore him. Um, and with... Based the way that I understand it is that because Charlotte Independence decided to drop down a level, they 
you know, they had to deal with different kind of contract stuff, right? So the contracts are different in League One than they are in the championship. Now, the way that this was worded on the internets, on the old Twitter sphere, is that this was a promotion relegation issue when it's not. This would still be the same issue if the Charlotte Independents had gone to NISA, ignoring NISA's problems, assuming that they are running as they should be. If they were to have gone to NISA a couple years ago, they would still be in the same issue. So the big thing is, the thing that says uh, June of 2022, from what I was told, and I was told I can say, is that that is not when that money was due. That was when a lot of people saw that number and thought that they have been withholding funds since then, when that's not the case. That was when the judge had issued that amount of money to be paid. And according to the um, the grievances part of the USL uh, CBA, is that the, uh, the player and team have, let me double check to make sure I have it right, but it is 90 days to go through it. So, uh, again, this, but just going off of what has been presented and stuff that I can't say, the these uh, issues have happened within the last 90 days, assuming that's when the money was due. I don't know if that made sense to anybody, to be honest, when the USLPA person was talking to me about it. It didn't make a lot of sense. Like, I understood it, but I'm not a lawyer, so I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, just based on what I had skimmed within the CBA and what I had seen of the documents that had become public from Enzo's own legal proceedings, he did everything right to get the money that he was deserved, which at a bare minimum, what seemed to be three months of the pay that Charlotte had guaranteed him. It is what it is with that. Hopefully, justice will be served and he'll get the money that he so deserved by being the best player that led charlotte to the playoffs in their last championship season i think the bigger thing is that boy this is just another example of the independence really being run by a crook at the time being with uh dan dimico Demico. i always Demico. i think it's Demico. Yeah. We've I mean, he doesn't with, deserve his name to be said right, to be fair. Yeah, I'd rather mispronounce it, I guess. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> he's got that long track record of, I mean, statements against racial equality, statements with crazy conspiracy theories all across the board, mistreatment of fans, running the club into the ground, even if you don't want to get political with it. There are so many ways that he has taken every wrong step. And this is just another example where he's hurting the players in addition to his own brand and the ability of the good people of Charlotte to enjoy that team. Yeah. Um, and this is going to sound absolutely horrible. We want every player to get paid. We at the USL show have a very strong belief and we're going to lump Gio in this. I'm sorry because now he's technically front office with <laughs> Greenville, which is a weird thing. But we are so pro player. We want all the players to make all the money. Like, make all the money as possible. We are so in that boat here. I, I feel like this would not be a big, as big of a story as it is if it wasn't Charlotte. I mean, I if think, it had yeah, come out. Right. 
if it had come out and even I'm not going to put this on Richmond. Richmond is a wonderful run club from everything that we hear and we understand. But if this was Richmond that came out with this, it might have been a little blip of, hey, you should pay them. But it would not have been met with such rage and vitriol. No, it wouldn't have. And it's because of everything that has gone wrong with this team. <laughs> In that long track record that I was mentioning, the fact that they did self-relegate, even if that isn't necessarily legally important in this case they've taken so many steps that just seem to be backwards they've been totally eclipsed by the mls team in that city now it's sort of the prime example of what could go wrong with a lot of the independence that's afforded to you no pun intended uh, underneath that usl model where the teams do have a lot of leeway to forge their own brand, have their own public image, do what they want to do. And Charlotte has taken that to a really poor extreme. Yeah. And so, by the way, um, to understand this uh, grievance, because this is what's happened. They have uh, Enzo has filed for a grievance and the USLPA has filed on his behalf. So this is not exactly like Enzo's lawyer running up and say, you owe us money. Kind of, but not exactly. The way that was explained to me that this is a grievance process, and this is what was on the the tweet that was put out as well, is that basically there has to be a discussion between player and club. Now, Enzo, as from all accounts, has done that, has had the conversations with the club. Considering how adored he is in that city, something tells me that the burned bridges would not be from his end. So if between player and club does not get rectified, they have a certain amount of time, I believe seven days, to go to a grievance committee they have to appeal there. So from there, they can you know, state the facts um, and whatnot of what happened, what didn't happen. Very similar to what we see with a lot of arbitration cases. If you've ever been around or seen anything deal with arbitration court, this is a very similar a chain to go through after that they go through the grievance hearings and depending on what is um you know what is decided it then goes on to an arbitration court which is where that number uh 27,500 is owed to Enzo now we did say you know it's 3 months of compensation now 3 months of compensation for someone like me um, you know, that's a lot of money for me, but I can just imagine if I was missing $27,000 out of my bank account, get that money. And so please, <laughs> and just two more quick points here. I think one, this speaks to the importance of the CBA being in place where these players really have a legal net to fall back on. There's safety for what they're doing. There's a guarantee that they have the backing of an organization with some real means and some real influence. Um, and then in a different sense, I think it also really stands in contrast to what we've seen a lot of in the USL championship and in league one this year with a lot of two year deals, a lot of certainty for these players who increasingly are getting better terms. I've heard behind the scenes from a couple of sources that wages are up pretty significantly for a lot mm. of players that have been moving this off season. In, when you're seeing so much progress to have this sort of modicum of devolution where you're just kind of disgusted at what Charlotte was doing, 
in one, on one hand, it makes it worse, but it also serves to highlight that there has been a lot of progress in these two short years. Yeah, there really has. Um, also, something I found fun, this is not a CBA talk necessarily, but I found it interesting. Um, I felt it was kind of cool that they included not only a thing for the national team, so a team cannot force a player to play 48 hours after playing a national team appearance or being away on national team international team duty. They also, if they're if that player is outside of CONCACAF, they can't play or they cannot be forced to play within 72 hours, but the player can waive that, which is cool to me. But something that I found interesting, there's an all-star game clause in there too. So if a player Please. were to play in an all-star game, the same rules would apply. They could get the 48 hours. Interesting little clause in there. All I'm saying is all-star game when. I mean, when they call it a summer showcase, what are you showcasing? Give us the all-star game. <laughs> I do think that there is the real drawback of there's about five nerds on the internet who would care about an all-star game, but man, oh man, we're dying for it. I mean, if we're being honest and let's kind of move into what, you know, one of the other topics where we're going to get to the coaches leaving and the coaches signing and all that kind of stuff in a second, um, which I am going to, uh, we got really good feedback on adding uh, stuff to the stream, which by the way, I can't hear anything. If this is playing music in the background, please tell me and I will, like we good? Okay, cool. I tested it so please. <laughs> yeah, tell us. Um, so we've been seeing a lot of movement to MLS this year. Um, and not just on this whole, well, we're seeing players in trials. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of players go on to trials in MLS. I mean, I think uh oh, who was it? He was at Pittsburgh just this last year. Him and Johnny Dean were at Nashville together at the same exact or yeah, same exact time, just trialing. Uh, we've seen Patino out at San uh, San Jose, uh, trialing as well. Like we've seen trials, but we're seeing moves to MLS that are not just signing to youth contracts. Something cool that I really like that MLS does. I know, shoot me for saying that. But I love that the MLS tells you what kind of contract players are on. These people aren't on, most of them are not like on these two-way contracts or these academy contracts that you normally see with these uh, kind of fringe MLS 2 players. They're on real deal MLS contracts. And I feel like we've been seeing a lot more of that this year. Yeah, I think it's been really positive to see across the board. For me, part of the trend is that it's not just the big stars in the USL, like with the names you've been seeing that have made the move upwards, it's been a really solid mix of people. I know we talked about Lawrence Wyke being somewhat average as a defender, but the fact that, yes, he had prior experience with Atlanta United, Nashville bringing him in is still a big deal. Ben Lunt coming in to St. Louis in their expansion season, presumably as the backup, but someone with a long track record of success He's going to have the ability to get games in the Open Cup, get the occasional midweek, and prove himself. Uh, Jake LaCava and Adeneron, who had been on loan in the USL, are going to get shots as sort of backup rotation forwards. And obviously, you can expand on Dean a little bit, but the fact that MLS is turning to these players who we all know have the talent to do it in MLS, and saying, hey, we're going to give you a shot off the bench, show us what you can do is nothing but a positive for the broader pipeline in this country. 
I've said this a lot of times, and I think I said it on this show. I know I said it on Hammering Down um, when it comes to evaluating talent. Because one of my favorite things to do is to watch the film and evaluate that talent, right? It's so much fun just to see who's the hit, you know, hidden diamonds in the rough. The one position that always, 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 always translates is the goalkeeper position, right? Like, um, if you watch Nate Steinwasher play in Nisa uh, last year, it is ridiculous how much better he was than everybody else. <laughs> um, and even in USL, and I've, you know, I said this, and I've said that a lot of times. Um, you know, we also see guys like Evan Newton who were at the USL level who goes up to MLS and then comes back. You know, Spencer Ritchie, um, who was a part of that at same FC Cincinnati, uh, you know, team. Um, we've seen a lot of these players go, and Ben Loon should have got that chance, to be honest, in FC, uh, FC Cincinnati. But he's an international, and so those guys don't get a lot of play. But with St. Louis signing Ben Loon as international, that means he's going to get playing time because he's taking up an international slot. He doesn't have a green card. He can't be waived that right. He's going to take an international spot, and he's going to get his playing time. He's going to get a shot unless they are a horribly you know, run team, which I just feel like is not the case with Hackworth there. Which, oh, by the way, with the video being shown in the background, I think this that uh, goal also made it onto your low lights, John. I think this one did. I would not be surprised. <laughs> this, is, this is really just horror for any Colorado Springs fan who's seeing so many players that they don't have anymore scoring a goal. If you want to wait till the very, very end of this game, I think this is the one where Brendan Burks gets sent off too. And <laughs> so, well, this is the game that he gets sent off but doesn't leave. That was a weird one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like we've been seeing a whole lot of this movement. And at the very least, and we'd hate to see these players go on MLS and get put in MLS too, but we've also seen a lot of MLS teams loan their talent to the championship because they know it's a step higher. So even if these players come back to your team or to another team, that's still just another great player involved in the usl yeah absolutely i mean i think that point about next pro and the way that they scheduled specifically where they ended about a month before the uh, usl regular season finished off so you saw for instance san antonio bringing in jacqueline from st louis uh, colorado springs brought in a player or two from colorado there was a little bit of overflow where at the end of the day you can talk about the soccer wars aspect of it or whatever, but these MLS teams want their kids to get some playing time at a high level. And that is going to incentivize a little bit of bleed over between these leagues. And it's different certainly than USL guys moving up to the first tier and getting that run. But I think it just shows a little bit of health in the pyramid. I just noticed something on this replay, by the way, um, with Evan Newton trying to bat the ball down outside of his box. I watched this game live and I did not notice that. That's hilarious. To people who are just yeah. listening to this, who are only listening to this and you don't really care for what we're watching, that's fair. But, uh, I mean, I just, I mean, he is <laughs> incredible stuff. Um, 
anyway, um, I, I, I mean, I'm super excited to see if this talent really goes through MLS. I mean, obviously for me, selfishly, I would love to see, you know, Johnny Dean get his go. You know, I love right. watching him play. Um, and the best thing that could happen for us, unfortunately, and I hate to say this, but, and I saw some Colorado Springs fans and, um, you know, people kind of bantering with Colorado Springs because we'll get there in a sec with Brendan Burke, but, you know, are they a selling club now? Almost every lower league team in the world is. And we may not like that these some of these players are going to MLS. We sh- they should have waited for Europe. They should, you know, the team should try to get them over to Europe as fast as possible. That's great, but you got to get your money when you get your money. And so when Colorado Springs gets $800,000 for Aji Berry, I get that the playoffs are about to start and you want to have your, you know, all-world striker playing for you, but also $800,000 plus whatever sell-ons are along the way. You take that money every single day and yesterday if you're Colorado Springs. And you're Colorado Springs who's getting money for your manager. You're getting money for Isaiah Foster moving to Cincinnati, who's yet another example of that MLS upflow. Um, I don't think there was a fee associated with Michigalina, but hey, raising that profile. Um, Elvis Amo went for a fee to Hartford. They've made a lot of money this offseason off of player sales, and that's healthy for them. And it might not sit well with the fans at a certain point, but it's probably a positive for the team and the health of this team going forward in a league that, like we've talked about, there are protections for the players. There's a certain responsibility you have to play them. You need to be getting that money back because, let's face it, there's only so much that you're earning at the gates. There's only so much that you're getting from TV, which is a pittance from local advertising. To complete this model, to make things sustainable, I think it's going to be a fact of life for a lot of clubs going forward. I mean, for an example, I can tell you that there's a there's several USL teams that their shoulder sponsor runs about $100,000 to $200,000. Um, and if you want to take that same comparison, Aji Berry went for, what is that, four sponsorships? Yeah, say no more. I mean, that's the case for why. I say, I mean, sure, you're third place in the league and potentially could win the title, but probably not because you're playing like crap when you sell the guy. But there's no argument for, against it in the larger picture. Yeah. Um, so, kind of talking about this, and I want to bring up this conversation because it's totally speculation and it does not matter. But. You know, Colorado Springs. Oh, nice. We get a we get a grant or a Fiverr ad on this shout out. Um, by the way, use Fiverr. Fiverr's cool. Um, um, we're not sponsored, but if they want to sponsor us, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, with Brendan Burks being transferred, not just signing, but transferred to Houston. Um. You know, this obviously leaves them without a coach, which it has been leaked that they are announcing their coach Wednesday. Now, I was not sure if that meant tomorrow Wednesday or next Wednesday, but um, I did see that floating around. And we're kind of just sitting here in limbo for Colorado Springs fans where they're just like, what are, what are we doing? But I'm just going to float this idea out there 
Um, do you think this offseason, with them being so freely to sell, has something to do with the fact that Brendan knew he wasn't going to be there? There's an argument to be made for that, that maybe if you're a player who's aware of this, you have a vested interest in turning your eyes somewhere else, which could have motivated Cam Lindley wanting to go to Indy, which could have motivated Michigalina looking overseas, that sort of thing. It almost feels like if Burke knew and he decided, I'm going to revamp this roster, I'm going to bring in nine new faces and get rid of all our stars, it's almost a little bit of a sabotage just because that's such a challenge for any new coach that would be coming into this team. I tend to believe the sort of good faith argument that he was committed to this and Houston godfathered him and gave him an author offer he couldn't refuse. But I'm kind of willing to play the game mentally that maybe there was something more. I mean, I th- it's not necessarily just, I mean, because there's general managers, there's presidents, there's owners involved here too, right? You know, if Brendan said, we're selling Aji Berry, we're selling Mushigalusa, or not Mushigalusa, he plays for someone else. Um, I always get them confused. Uh, like, we're selling Elvis Amo or Cam Lindley um, right now. The owners aren't just going to be like, okay, Mr. Burke, you do whatever you want. <laughs> Those, there are, in the end... And this is something that we need to remember about all sports, um, not just in America, like we want to believe would just, well, franchise bad, but also with owners in Europe and everything else. Um, In the end, there are people who write the paychecks and people who receive them. And the difference between the two is several billion dollars. And, you know, if Burke just said, I'm selling all the players. They're not just going to be like, okay, Mr. Brendan, you do whatever you want, man. You know, owners may not always understand the sport, but they understand who fan favorites are. <laughs> so, yeah. you know. I, but, yeah, I mean, where do you think Colorado Springs goes next? My first guess, and I kind of threw it out there, um, sort of as a joke, but sort of serious. Um, and it is, I mean, do you think Jay Mims goes to Colorado Springs? He seems like the obvious pick right now in terms of the availability the profile that he brings to the table. But I do think given the aspect that this roster has taken in terms of very few dynamic offensive stars, and the style that he championed in Omaha, which was very defensive, very much based on long balls, kind of uh, dump and run sort of style, that just needs a little bit less time to get integrated. And for a team that's so unfamiliar, I think it could possibly bear fruit. I don't claim to have any insider knowledge. I don't know what names could be out there. Maybe you kick the can on someone like a Rick Schantz who say what you will about the end in Phoenix, but he's experienced. He knows the game from Tucson to Phoenix. He can get that job done. I'm not really sure where they go outside of Mims, really. I mean, Shantz is an interesting shout, too, because it's hard to believe that he's just done. Right. Um, I He knows the league, and I think we talked about this almost a month ago now. 
um, when we first talked about signing players and these teams have signed a lot of players. That means they're good now. And it's like, well, you know, if you sign a whole bunch of average players, your team's going to be average unless you have a God tier coach, um, which most people don't. Um, most teams do not have this amazing coach talent plays here. Now you start seeing that, you know, good talent and good coaching are what win the cup. But most of the teams that have good talent and good coaching, you already know about them, right? So as someone who knows the league like Shantz does, and, you know, there are still players that really like him, that are willing to play for him, it seems like a good shout there too. Yeah, I mean, just to give an example on the talent and coaching thing, think about Ben Pierman last year who took – sort of a cast of misfits in Memphis and turn them into one of the best teams in the East. If you can find a diamond in the rough who can pull up Hearman, I mean, that could be game-changing for the switchbacks in a transition year. And Colorado, they had this moment of, well, they're a little bit different than a team like, I'm sorry, Hartford, but Hartford, right? Where they haven't had a lot of success recently. Colorado Springs is not just looking in the playoffs. Now fans may be looking at that this year saying we lost our coach. We've lost all of our players. Um, We're looking just to not be horrible this year. But, you know, if you're looking at a team like Hartford, you're okay with being just kind of on the fringes and getting in. And that's fine. And I cannot. uh, Okay. Um, You know, we're, we're starting – you start to see the difference between the two, that if you bring in those mis- misfits and you sneak into the playoffs in your Hartford, you're like, heck yeah, man. Like, this is what we've been looking for. But I don't think that flies in Colorado. No, the expectations are too high after what Burke has done these past two years. So it's a really interesting problem for them right now. You know, I wish um, I wish we would have had Evan on here. Uh, talk about Brendan Burke, you know, one of his favorite yeah. people of all time. Um, and if, let's talk about, I guess, just a little bit. Um, Brendan Burke going over to MLS makes a lot of sense. Uh, a lot of teams in MLS are really, really trying to be Philadelphia Union right now. They're doing everything kind of right right now. Not every team is LAFC that can just pay for whomever they want and have the star-studded whatever to pull whomever they want. Um, teams like Philadelphia, they're willing to splash the cash occasionally, but they're willing to build up through. Brendan Burke came straight out of Philadelphia. I mean, Bethlehem still, he, I mean, <laughs> Colorado Springs was Bethlehem of the West. And then him getting that move to Houston, who has been um, bang average on their good days. And you know, they're probably looking to get a little bit of injection of the union style. So for people being like, well, why would he go there? Uh, that's why teams want anything they can get with, um, with the union, just like all sports. Um, the USL is especially bad at this professional sports are everybody's a copycat. Um, we saw Tampa Bay go to a three back system like three years ago. And now I feel like at least a third of the league is doing it now. Um, one team did well, and now we're all doing it because one team did it well. So, you know, 
somebody's going to do something crazy. A couple years ago, we saw it with Red Bulls 2. Red Bulls 2 showed up and said, we are going to not play any defense, and we're going to press you for the entire 90 minutes, catch you on a counterattack, and then press you again the moment that you kick off. And then a couple years after that, and you're still seeing the remnants of it, some teams love the press. And when they used to not like it whatsoever, sports are copycats. And that's okay because it does lead to fun meta swings where if every team just sat there and did what they traditionally did, things would get a little bit stagnant. And it's fun that way, but that's kind of why I made that move. Yeah, and I mean, just to pivot on the topic of styles, the topic of coaching changes, uh, Union Omaha themselves have announced the new manager who used to be an assistant with El Paso Locomotive, uh, Dominic Casciato. And it's I know I was just talking a lot about Mims and the style that he had where uh, this team played more long balls than anybody. They were pretty average in terms of score, goal scoring, but when Omaha was really rolling, they shut you down and barely allowed a goal. And for someone with the track record of working for a free-flowing, very possessive, short-passing, control-the-game team, that's going to be an interesting stylistic transition for that union side where they've not done a whole lot this offseason in terms of building out that roster, and I would expect a real identity shift for them. Well, this is now going to be two years in a row, so you can't exactly call it a trend, but it's becoming one that they wait late to sign people. That's just yeah. kind of what they do. Um, whether that's a good or bad thing, you decide. You know, Omaha got into the playoffs. Um, you know, they just won the cup a couple years ago. Um, you know, you could argue that they could have won it a couple years before that, three years ago, I guess now. That's how math works. Um, you know, you can make that argument. Um We've seen them wait a while, and, you know, when we talked to their general manager last year, who was just an absolute blast to talk to, and I hope we get to talk to him again soon, you know, we see we see them, and he has a plan. He, he knows what he's going to do. I mean, this year, he called his shot. He said, we're going to play Minnesota. We're going to play Kansas City in the Open Cup, and we are going to beat them. They are a driven team that's not just laying down, so... Omaha fans, you're chilling. You're fine. It'll be okay. But there is now we don't always see assistant coaches, um, you know, go with the style that they've been around the most. Sometimes assistant coaches there are there to give the opposite opinions. We see that not a lot, but it's not unusual where they'll tell the coach, hey, you're seeing it this way. How about we try this? You know, the exact opposite thing or a different verbiage or whatever. And so it may end up being a, uh, a different system than what we saw at El Paso a couple years ago. But I have a feeling, yeah, I mean, we're going to be seeing more of that free-flowing uh, offense uh, coming out of, out of uh, Omaha. Yeah, agreed. So, uh, by the way, this was a uh, topic that Andy wanted to cover. John, why do you hate um, uh, everybody's team, really? Well, I mean, it's really just about the engagement. The more hot takes and hate that I throw out, the more clicks I get. And that's really what drives me as a human being and a creator is to get as many eyeballs as what I'm doing as possible. I mean, you know, that's fair. Um, I think you should just start making more tier lists. I found that that is the real secret of engagement. It turns out giving a grade to every team's coach and offseason tends to get pretty good engagement. So I'll do more of that. 
I mean, so question because if people haven't read uh, some of your stuff that's been coming out, you've been doing a lot of this grading stuff, which I love. I love the whole like grading content because. I mean, it is so subjective and somebody could see talent in one place and whatever. It's fun. But also for most of us, we kind of see grades and we kind of understand what it means. But I do want to throw this out there to me. And now I am going to throw my hands up there. I was a perennial like D and C student. I'm an idiot. But also C is supposed to mean average. So if like you give someone a C rating, you're saying they're having an average off season. Am I totally off base there? No, that was kind of the point. Was like <laughs> I, when I gave a C, it meant that you're doing fine. There's nothing to worry about. Could you be better? Certainly, but there are no red flags. But people see a, a C grade and tend to think the sky is falling for some reason. But C's get degrees. Like I live by that motto. <laughs> I mean. Let's look at a team who's definitely been an F, and this is somebody that's uh, talked to who you know we talked to before and all that kind of stuff. Um, Las Vegas is still just choosing to not exist. Um, I mean, they don't, from my understanding, they don't have their affiliation with LAFC anymore. Um, if they do, it's been drastically, you know, reduced. Um, their big talent. I mean, when I say their big talent, I mean everybody that's ever played for them is gone. Yeah. So you're looking now crazy math here. You're looking at signing at least a minimum of like eight players. I think you have to have at least eight players for a match to start. The only reason I know that is because I remember we were getting dangerously close to that number whenever Charleston had like three people sent off against Memphis, and we're like how much longer can this game actually exist? As it turns out, it's either seven or eight. So Las Vegas needs at least seven players. <laughs> and unless they're looking to go the loan route, which they can, or if they're looking to sign some, you know, you know, bottom of the barrel players, that's just not sustainable at all. I, you wonder is this team going to drop down to league one in the near future? Are they going to announce anybody? I'm sort of expecting that there are a couple contracts that have been signed and they're just waiting on the announcement. It's something that we've seen in the past with a Rio Grande Valley, for example, but man, when, I mean, Cal Jennings has signed and it's not been announced yet. Alex Lara has gone to Monterey, Danny Trejo, people are linking him with Phoenix, but he's training with DC United this week. Even if you bring in a team of replacement level guys, the real star power is gone. And Andy pointing out that Eric Winalda is available. This is a guy who is very vocal on Twitter about the fact that he knows how to run a team. So, hey, give him another chance to be mediocre with Las Vegas. We Do you think we could get an, Eric, an interview with Eric Winalda on here? I want nothing more in my life, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's a really interesting space because you mentioned uh, RGV, right? Yeah. But RGV, they were, they always seem to do it where they are, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel. They're just absolute bottom feeders until they make the playoffs every single year. How I, 
I don't know because they always signed one guy. I mean, now I may be totally misremembering this, but like, you know, Roro Lopez was there and kind of like single handedly willed them through the playoffs for a minute. Um, I still think one of my favorite um, clips is, you know, the announcer saying that he was old and washed and then immediately scored the game winning uh, free kick. One of my favorite like moments of like USL commentary slash USL Twitter. Just wonderful stuff. And, but RGV has the six, has the history of pulling it together and at least making the playoffs. Las Vegas didn't. Um, now maybe I'm misremembering last year and I'm just totally. Las Vegas didn't make the playoffs last year, did they? They yeah, were they... on the bubble for a lot of the season. They had their moments and they sort of collapsed into nothingness for the final third of the year. So they, like, we were talking about them so highly because of Danny Trejo, because of Cal Jennings. Those two players alone are players that can change your season. Like, if Legion were to come out and say, we're signing Cal Jennings, I'm like, we might win the league. (laughs) You know, I mean, he's that kind of player. Danny Trejo, we know, is that kind of guy. Um. You know, they had that talent and it fell apart. At this yeah, point, it's sad to see. Yeah. At this point, the lights are they're they're a dead club walking. It's been well reported at this point. Granted, we don't have people on the inside right now telling us this was our plan to begin with, because frankly, owners have too much pride on the line to admit it. But this was a straight-up MLS bait to say, look, we have soccer. People want to come watch soccer in Las Vegas. You should come here. Come on. And then they people realized, oh, it's 115 degrees until midnight. And they're playing on a baseball field. And they're bad. Do you know why people show up to Phoenix when it's 110 degrees? Because they're good. Why do people show up to El Paso, show up to New Mexico? Because they're good. On their worst years, they're making the playoffs, except for Phoenix. Sorry, Phoenix. But the point still stands. They still do the dang thing. Las Vegas is just... I hate it. I do. I want them to succeed. They've had so many players there that I absolutely adore. But... What are we supposed to say? There's nothing positive to say about them. Yeah, drag on the league. Yeah, I mean, hey, we. You, I think you can still buy one of those kits that if you put over your face, it has a smiley face on it. So that's cool. They're um, merch kings. You know, the, also, this is something I'm, I get really frustrated by, and this is for people who are watching. We've had probably seven ads just into the first 30 minutes of of this stream with watching this match. I don't know why some matches you watch them back on YouTube and they have a hundred ads while some of them don't have a single one. I mean, we just did our last watch along um, last or a couple weeks ago. I don't remember which um, it was league one, two, two ago, or, yeah, no ads, no ads, not a single one. Didn't have to do this at all. God, <laughs> This is so freaking annoying. Uh, advertising, Charmin. Get that in your head. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's a lot of stuff, you know, just kind of going around the league right now. 
Um, and a lot of teams are starting to get to the full full on freak out because people are announcing friendlies, right? People are announcing, hey, we're training right now. You know, Tulsa is training today. Um, yep. Teams are out there planning their friendlies. Some teams haven't announced a single friendly. The only reason that their fans know that they're playing a friendly is because someone else has posted about it. Some some fans are still that are not just Las Vegas are still looking for their team to make a their first, second, third signing of the offseason. They have major holes to fill. We're getting dangerously close to the beginning of the season. I know front office will say, no, 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 we have two months. We have two months. But how often do you bring in a player, you know, right before the season and make them play and they're an immediate star? It just doesn't happen that much. They have to have time to work themselves into the system. And I'm sure a lot of these teams, well, we've already signed them. They're already training with us. But I understand that it's all about the content drip and you want to get fans excited and you slowly over time. But also, fans are growing impatient and frustrated too. I think we're to the point where every team in the league one in league one in the championship has 10 players other than Las Vegas. And then I want to say maybe central Valley and Lexington. Yeah. Lexington's weird because they're an expansion team and they're very much into the slow drip. Let's build this thing up late. I kind of give them the flyer. If you're a team that hasn't announced your preseason yet, like what's the harm in doing so you have these games scheduled just get it out there for the sake of the knowledge. Yeah, I mean, let me tell you something else that just bugs me. I hate closed-door friendlies with a passion. Oh, yeah. I get it. We don't want to share our tactics. Great. The moment you play your first game, we'll all know them anyway. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. I mean, yes, the teams are going to be scouting you. How much weight do you really put into the first game of the season when you play, you know, 34 matches in a year? I mean, dropping three points or two points in the first game of the year is not a massive, massive deal. So if a team just game plans you for three weeks because they're getting ready specifically for you, more power to them. Most coaches, though, are just trying to make sure their players don't fall on their face because they've never played in their system before. And, like, let's be real. I mean, I – got the role I got with Sacramento last year because I wrote an article basically explaining what their tactics were going to be for the season just based on their signings. And I'm an idiot. Like Teams know what's going to be happening just looking at your off-season moves, seeing what you've done in seasons past. You can take one, that first week of film isn't even necessary because you have the rough outline of what's going to be going down within a semblance of a realistic reason. So to deny fans the ability to get a little bit of preseason hype stupid in my opinion i mean for an example of this let's just look at lexington right i can tell you hey they're playing they're signing players that are wicked fast on the wings they're signing players that love to distribute um through the middle and so and just kind of the nature of the beast is that they're signing players that like to play in deep and spring the counterattack. guess what chances are this year I'm willing to put it like slam my hand on the desk right now. Say Lexington's going to be playing a counterattacking system where they are going to sit in deep, use their speed out wide, pass into the middle, and then let their playmaker choose to either play through the middle or play out wide again. That's what Lexington's going to do. Mm-hmm. 
And if I can do that, someone who just watches the sport because I'm bored and I have no life, these people with coaching badges can definitely do that. Yeah, exactly. Hit the nail on the head. So, whatever. Uh, it, it really does frustrate me. Closed-door friendlies are just absolutely bug me. And I guess some of them are like, well, we don't want the trialists to be seen and people taking pictures of the trialists. Like, dude... Who cares? I understand there's probably legal stuff with it, but also who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Um, Let's see. Is there anything else from the chat? I know some people uh, wanted to hear stuff about support groups too. Um, It's kind of weird situation that we're in supporters groups, but I do want to throw this out there. Um, We are looking to make Thursday our big supporters group day or a big content creator day. Um, we're looking to start where which is going to take kind of place of the short show. If people want the short show to come back, we'll talk about it. But right now, you know, we're just going to try some new things and we're going to get content creators on. We're going to get people with part of supporters groups on here and do watch alongs like we're seeing now. And we'll ask those supporters, we'll ask the content creators, hey, what's your favorite match that you've watched that you can find on YouTube? Um, stuff like that, and we'll talk about their supporters group. We'll talk about their content. We'll talk about the team. We'll talk about what we're seeing on the screen and all that kind of stuff. It'll likely just be a YouTube-only kind of thing because the watch-along is an important aspect of it, but we want to just throw that out there, that if you're interested, if you know a content creator that you want to hear on the USL show, if you know somebody that's really good about talking about sports in a podcast setting, because people want to hear more about supporters groups, but we got to be honest here. Not everybody is great on a microphone. Some people are really intelligent about the game, but they can't do it in front of the camera. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's people, there's losers like me that like to do this all the time. And I eventually got bearable. Right. So <laughs> it's okay. Um, but if you know someone that you would like to hear on the show, please let them know and tell them to reach out to us. We would love to start doing this soon. Yeah, absolutely. Preach. Um, John, what you got coming out uh, for Backhield? Yeah, so sort of taking a little bit of a hiatus just for the winter. But in terms of next month, uh, when I do my usual gigantic season preview, that will be on Backhield. And then every week when I do my usual 5,000-ish words of power rankings with every team ranked and analyzed, that will be behind the paywall at Backfield, which is the big change this year. But it's the price of like a cheap cup of coffee at Starbucks, given their prices nowadays, per month to get anything you want on the USL from me and loads of coverage of everything else US soccer. So I guess this is the one advertisement we're letting on the show today, but support Backfield, y'all. Yeah, please support Backhill. That's good stuff. I mean, it's it's just really good content. Um, we also have our thing that we're doing with Goals uh, TV. Um, you guys have been absolutely tearing up uh, their algorithm over there um, at Goals.TV. Um, one of the people that kind of run uh, the, the whole shebang, he said that he was a little hesitant about adding the USL show. Not because of us, but he was like, I don't know how the USL is going to sell. And we continue week in, week out to be one of their top people. So you guys are insane, A. And B, like, the USL really is an interesting thing. So 
to get more support over there, go check out goals.tv. Do the do the whole thing. Um, that would be great. Um, you know, get people really hyped about the USL. Um, I want to have another public service announcement because we're running. Uh, this is a shorter episode, so I feel like I have a little bit of room to be annoying. Um, it is that time of the year to start bugging your local media um, to start covering your team? Um, and I know what you're thinking. Oh, well, we don't want to annoy them and turn them off from it, but also annoy the crap out of them because at the very least, someone who reads their Twitter mentions might be interested in what you have to say. Start spreading the gospel about your team. And I know what you're also probably thinking. Well, the team should be doing the advertisement. You're right. You're 100% right, and I agree with you. The team should be doing the advertisement. It shouldn't be on you. But because they're not, we might as well take our you know matters into our own hands. Go advertise your local club. Try to you know at least get the first game to be as big as possible because the hardest thing to do in business is to get the person through the door the first time. Retention rates after that is the easy part. Yeah, and I mean, the clubs are based on the grassroots support that they're getting. Local media is a fantastic way to spread that word as widely as possible to the most pertinent market possible. And just to hit on that chat question real quick about uh, ESPN Plus, no confirmation yet, but former USL show host Phil Grooms is saying that the league is more than likely back on ESPN Plus last year. So I'm imagining they just were waiting to see if somebody came in with an offer worth more than like $10 per club, but that was never going to happen. So Happy to be back on that awesome ESPN Plus Hulu Disney Plus bundle. Yeah, so I mean that's a that's great. Also, um, if you have a VPN, just watch it on YouTube. Um, I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> that's that's an option too. Um, yeah, uh, from Phil has gotten from pretty good word that it's going to be back on ESPN Plus. So you know, fingers crossed. Um, we didn't think that ESPN would fully back out of domestic. Frankly, that it's it wouldn't be worth it at all to them, especially seeing that the USL is a cheap investment that could blow up. That at the very worst, it falls through and they lost like zero money and Mickey Mouse dollars. So, yeah. um, I'm trying to think. Anything else? Do we? I think we hit like everything. We're kind of in that weird cycle of nothing's going on but there's always a few few things a few nuggets along the way um yeah I calm think, before the storm so i think we're probably good to wrap yeah i think so um listen thank you all for listening and uh john do you have any final thoughts for the night yeah i'm getting the urge to watch kung fu panda a real classic of the animation <laughs> genre so that'll probably happen for me at some point tonight but <laughs> how about you <laughs> you know every now and then once every two years or so i get insanely obsessed with jack black and just like yeah. i mean school of rock is not a good movie but i watch it religiously at least once a year he, why he's like our generation we just grew up on that kind of guy i don't know he he has a place <laughs> in my heart yeah i I also love his like modern stuff where he just he just seems as goofy as he did before. Oh, he yeah. does seem like one of the few people that you don't hear a bad thing about him off of set, which is Never. which makes it so much better. Kung Fu Panda. I I love the first Kung Fu Panda. I could not stand the second one. 
Are there three of them? I remember liking two, maybe? I'm losing the plot now. But... <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, I'm doing okay. Um, yeah. You know, just kind of getting through the last bit of classes before I graduate, which mm-hmm. is a lot harder to do after you've already done your internship because I felt like I should have been done. Um, but I'm not. So... Um, if you've ever taken online biology, um, I just had to do a fake lab on a rat eating food. And let me tell you, some of the animations on this online lab are really good. And I'm fully convinced that that's why I just spent $100 on is for their animators to get paid. I am certain of that. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Yeah. This is what you come to the USL show. <laughs> <laughs> and people, people who've been listening for a while, they know that if you get to the end, um, you're going to get some stuff. Um, oh, oh US, yeah. Uh, US wins, uh, national team, MN's national team are, you know, getting HBO ready. Max. Yeah. So that's a, uh, that's a big thing. Oh, I was going to, uh, since we're at the very end and, you know, it's fine. You know, we did talk about uh, the CBA or the whole Enzo Martinez thing at the very beginning of the show. Um, there is a lot of information that we know about that. Um, but I do want to throw this out there that just because we know information doesn't mean we're going to share that information. Um, in the end, we're not making any money. In fact, we're spending money every month to do this. So if you are looking for a hardcore journalist that's willing to drop all of the dirty tea that we know about the USL and because the fans deserve it, um, pay us. Simple as that. If you feel like if you feel like you deserve more as a consumer, well guess what? You're a consumer and you pay for what you get. And if you're paying nothing, you get what you get and you don't pitch a fit. So suck it, nerd. Um, I just had to get that one off my chest, but you know, for the people that send that to us, chances are they aren't even listening to this anyway. So this is falling on deaf ears. No notes. Perfect. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening. Um, go listen, I think to, uh, two balls, uh, two balls in a mic, two balls under wood. Greatest name and segment in all of the USL. Um, they're doing their chat with Nate Miller. Um, go uh, follow Ryan. Um, I think it's ILM underscore Ryan. Um, and tell him good luck on his interview tomorrow. Like, seriously, go do that right now. Tell him good luck. Um, and um, tell Gio congratulations on tearing it up in Sunday League. And tell Phil congrats on being a good dad. Same to Tyler. Um, I think that's everybody. I think that's all the shout outs. Do the dang thing. Um, Eric Winalda, come on the show. And for the first and I think only time tonight, if I can find the button because I have lost it, Alan. Thank you for watching another episode of the USL show. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find podcasts and other written work at bgn.fm. Once again, thanks for stopping by. We'll see you guys again next week.